Hi, I'm Al Fawcett, and this is Infinite Pie Thinking. We've been having some great conversations with some remarkable people recently about how they do stuff that matters and how they create connections that count. We're now putting the finishing touches on these episodes before we get them out to you. But in the meantime, I thought I'd go back to the library of the Connection podcast where I interviewed more than 100 people and I asked them to share their stories, their insights, their perspectives and the lessons they learned based around the pivotal moments in their life and what has brought them to where they are now. So here are a few clips from three great discussions I had with Craig Hatkoff and Erwin Cooler and starting off with AJ Leon. Where I was right now, I'd made it. Like I actually... I, I got I got there. You're, you know, in in Manhattan terms, I'm minted. I'm good as long as I stay the course. I'm going to be okay. And I walked out of his office and I walked back into my own and and I closed the door behind me and I just started to cry. I started to cry I, because I recognized that I was trapped. You know that there was no way, not in a million years, that I would be able to walk away from that money ever. And any idea that I had, any any precept, any slight dream that I had of ever living a life of purpose, of meaning, of adventure, of doing all those things that sat dormant in that uh, static sketchbook that I kept in my desk drawer were were gone, and they were they were evaporated. And and I I swear to God, Alan, I saw the sixty year old version of myself looking back at me right then, mourning the glory of a life that could have been. And when that happens to you. When you see your life written down as a script and you see it and, and, you, and it's a prophecy that you know is going to happen and it's something that you didn't write and that you don't want but you know that this is set in stone, it is the most terrifying thing to recognize that, that you have no choices, you know, and, and, uh, and then I just said it was honestly the most depressing moment of my life. And and then it occurred to me that maybe, <laughs> just maybe, somehow I had been duped, conned into living some other dude's life. You know, <laughs> maybe I was never supposed to be here to begin with. Maybe right. it just wasn't. And I had just ended up putting on this this costume, this facade every day, day in and down, day in, day out. And I got really good at this game, but maybe it wasn't me. And this, this, I was living some other dude's life. And I recognized more importantly that if I didn't walk away right then and right there, that I was going to be that dude for the rest of mine. That life that uh, people idealize and fantasize about, it's, it's, a, it's a great life, you know, if it's yours, you know, but if That's it's not, it. if it's not yours, then... You know, and it and it wouldn't have been mine. I I I'm I don't want to go on vacations. I don't want to go on holidays. I want to go on adventures. Yeah, you know, and that's and it's a different that that's a completely different context. You know, uh, the moment that I, I guess the moment that you lose sight of shore, and you're probably here too, where like once once shore has eclipsed from the horizon, you know, you're just in open seas. You're always going to be in a mixture of adventure and awe and fear, you know, <laughs> and because there's nothing to hold on to anymore, you know, yeah. so a, a tempest comes or you kind of lose your way and you don't know, there's nothing to grab onto, you know, and, and so it's always going to be that balance, but my God, that's the most, you know, that's the most exciting life to live. 
people talk about creativity, but creativity is only a synthesized version of all the experiences that you have in your life. The food, the new foods you taste, the new people you meet, the, the new art you, that you see, all the experience. And then that synthesizes into your creation, your writing, and you can only draw upon what you've gone through. It's, but I think it's the most significant of all. I mean, our, our lives are, are narrative. They are stories. And at the end of the day, and at the end of our lives, I'm sure we just want to recount a story that was worth reading in the first place, you know, or that, or that was, i.e., worth living in the first place. After a pretty interesting career in the banking business, one day I just decided uh, how it was had been a wonderful experience. I loved every minute of it, but something was missing, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but I knew it was time to try and do something different. And so one day I just said, I am going to change my career. Wow. And I did. Uh, the other thing that um, happened kind of pretty much simultaneously uh, with my changing careers is uh, just after September 11th, um, I ended up uh, joining Bob De Niro and uh, my wife, Jane Rosenthal, uh, and we launched the Tribeca Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty far far away from uh, banking and real estate. Although business principles, whether it's in children's books, even the music business, uh, film festivals, banking and real estate, business principles um, do translate. So I've been able to sort of repurpose a lot of my skills. You know, listen, I'm going to give you th- sort of three touchstones of what kind of gets my blood flowing, which mm. is, you know, when the, when the juices are flowing, then at least, um, you know, it's a good start to take on these kinds of, uh, you know, what can otherwise be daunting challenges that evoke anxiety. But I think there's really three things, at least in my mind, and I'll, I'm going to do them in no particular orders, but I'm going to say, one, if you don't have a passion for what you're doing, it doesn't mean you can't be good at what you do, but it's going to be very, a very different experience. Yeah. So having passion for what you're doing, I think, is helps create it is a much healthier, uh, holistic uh, experience, and I think you know leads to a higher degree of happiness. We don't, you know, we see a lot of people who feel their job is somewhat robotic. You know, they're automatons; they're not really engaged. But if you can, whatever it is, it can be writing a book, it can be making loans, it can be um, virtually any endeavor. Um, as long as you're passionate about it, it's going to be very different. The other is curiosity, because curiosity, particularly in today's world, where all of the information, you know, you can learn so much just sitting at your desk. And I know we can talk a little bit about is the technology good or you know not good on balance, <laughs> but boy, has Google improved my life. Uh, but that idea of curiosity that you can now begin to a, a whole process of exploration of how the world works also helps you know get the juices flowing and then i think this is a little bit of a catch-22 and i know this is something that you and i when we first met we talked about um whether it's meaning or another just a different way of saying it having purpose Hmm. is an, an enormously important part of the equation so if you have purpose curiosity and passion it will help you create uh, – it will help you fill out that canvas called life. And it may not look exactly like a da Vinci or a Picasso, but we're all painting our own stories. 
you know, we have an expression that we use at Tribeca, which is, you know, the film festival side of my mm. life, which is in the old days, it used to be stay in your lane. Yes. <laughs> well, that's just, it's actually just another way of thinking about the expression, uh, you know, in, in t- almost all disciplines today, and one of the biggest problems are in silos. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the silo busting business. Brilliant. So, uh, and that's really the whole notion of crossing over, you know, transdisciplinary, a, a transdisciplinary approach to life. And, and innovation, um, listen, we, we know that change is incredibly hard, mm. but it is usually the nonconformist, the outsider, the two guys in the garage, yes. who will come up with the innovation. Because companies or, and organizations, not just companies, organizations, communities are kind of taught to stay in their lane. And, and it's, it's really two things. It's, it's don't make waves, but it's also here's your job. Don't worry about the other people's job, even if it's not, you know, even if it's helpful, but it's, you know, that's not your department. You know, I'm the sales guy. Uh, don't mess with, <laughs> don't mess with the advertisers or I'm the editorial department. I don't want to hear from the marketing guys. So, <laughs> and these are sort of, these are the silos. And, and most successful people will talk about failure. Uh, people you know, who are afraid to fail um, don't expect any kind of groundbreaking or uh, you know, earth-shattering invention from someone who's afraid to fail. Hmm. So Thomas, Thomas Edison, I don't know if I'll get the quote exactly right, said, I didn't, I didn't fail. I just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Exactly. So... Um, the more experiences you have, the easier it will be to say, okay, I know that didn't work, so I'm going to at least try not to do that again, at least consciously. But I think uh, the willingness to, to fail is absolutely an essential part of uh, what I'll call serious, you know, earth, you know, earth-moving kind of changes. Uh, and it doesn't have to be earth-moving. It just, you know, if you're going to take on something, I think you use the expression, the yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, ah, yeah, buts. Yeah. There's, there's always, there's always, a, if you listen to the naysayers, nothing would ever happen. Exactly. I, there's nothing I've seen that I couldn't tell you 50 reasons not to do. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's the, then, you know, it's just not possible. Uh, but it's the people who say, yeah, yeah, I, I know about those, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Right. If I listened to everybody who I spoke to about children's books, I never would have written a children's book. Yes. And I said, well, you know what? I'm going to, I'd like to show them the wrong. Uh, <laughs> Along the way, I said, boy, they, I should have listened to <laughs> they them. They could have been right. <laughs> <laughs> they could have been right. <laughs> so I think the willingness to fail is really kind of, uh, you know, absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. The act of doing, action, is, is almost a meditation. Yes. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of reasons to say, oh, that's too, con-. you know, I'm going to wait for this. I get, you know, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too and just going out and doing something, even if it's small, but it, it, it literally is. It's a, it's a calisthenic. It's a, it's a meditation. It's a practice. And so whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed, it can even be, you know, hanging up your clothes. I mean, <laughs> at least you're doing something. But that notion of always being in motion. Right. And... And it doesn't have to be it, that, those the, the the act of doing doesn't have to be earth shattering. Probably the single most important thing in the last few years 
was a man by the name of Craig Hatkoff, who was the co-founder of the Tribeca Film Festival and an entrepreneur and an early banker and, and just a kind of renaissance character, gave me a book called The Innovator's Dilemma by Clay Christensen. He gave it in 2007, and, and on the insert of the book, he wrote, I, Dear Erwin, I have no idea why I'm giving you this book, but I know it's going to be important. So I started reading it, because if Craig gives me a book, I'm going to read it. That night, I couldn't sleep, because while I didn't understand every aspect of the business of the book and the inflection points and, and when an industry gets decimated exactly, what I did understand was, for the first time, I understood who I was in the world. I was a disruptive spiritual innovator. I went to Craig's house at 9 o'clock in the morning. I said, Craig, I know what I want to do with my life. I'm going to be a conscious I'm going to use this theory. I'm going to be a conscious innovator in religion slash in Judaism. And I don't care where it goes. That's what I'm going to do. And I knew the job to get done. And that's what changed everything. The job to get done was not build a tribe. The job to get done was not, was not strengthen people's, people's uh, group loyalties. The job to get done was to help human beings flourish as individuals and in their webs of relationships. And that changed my life. But that's never where I was comfortable. I was always comfortable on the edges and margins or being outside, bringing that tradition in a way to other people. I never knew what that meant until I read the book. But the book gave me a framework. I said, oh, gosh, right, the job to get done, human flourishing. That's why I'm comfortable talking with people who actually don't care so much about their group loyalty or where they belong, but what they care about is whether they're flourishing as human beings. Oh, right, the product is a wisdom. The product isn't buying a specific ritual or doing a specific ritual. The product is the wisdom. Don't fight with incumbents. If you fight with incumbents, you will always lose. You're small, incumbents are big. Build your product, build your services, create your delivery systems that are a little more accessible, a little more usable, they're more relevant to people's lives, and it'll all work out. Reality is not parsed, you know, except by us as human beings. We decide what the boxes are. From the cosmic perspective, there, there isn't entrepreneurs and philanthropists, clouds, sun. From the cosmic perspective, there's just reality. Yeah. We then, it's one of the most noble things we do, is we then divide and parse and box and label. And that helps us live in the world together and, and understand the world. But our part, we then we begin to think that our parsings and our labels and our boxings are actually reality. And then that we get in trouble when we hold on ferociously to that. They teach you about tradition and, and, and precedent. They don't teach you about novelty and, and innovation. And I think that, that when you think about innovation, Innovation assumes the non-zero sum. It assumes not that there's an existing market that you actually have to keep dividing up and dividing up and dividing up, but that you can create new customers. You can create a new market. You can create new communities. You can create new webs of relationships. And that's infinite pie. I hope you enjoyed those clips and insights. And if you want to hear the full episodes, then just get in touch with me at infinitepie.co.uk. I may reach back into the library for some more great clips in the future. But new episodes with new guests will be coming up next week. So if you don't want to miss them, you can subscribe to the podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>